The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Prepare yourself to ingest current events, pop culture, and politics with a side of Latin flair. Badges. I don't have to show you how to stinking badges. This is the Chris Salcedo Show on the Blaze Radio Network. Hour two is underway. Welcome to it, everybody. The Chris Salcedo Show. I am your liberty-loving Latino. Do not confuse me with loudmouth leftist Latinos out there. I actually love the country. Did you guys see this story in uh, The Hollywood Reporter? Now, you guys probably have, for those of you who listen to Crosstalk Radio, I know that a lot of my conservative cohort pals have been have been talking about this. I haven't. Uh until now, because n- now I see uh, a specific political component that I want to address. You guys have heard that Game of Thrones is it's its last season. By the way, it's probably arguably its best season. Now, granted, I only started watching it a year and a half ago, but I'm you know I I I got hooked into it late, but it's good. So they need a re- they need a replacement. What were you saying, Ron? Is that something important? What? No. Are you talking in my ear? Or are you talking on the air? In my ear. Well, we'll talk on the air so the folks can hear you. I thought this was. I thought this was the last season. No, it's not. Are you serious? Yes. This season no. has seven episodes. Eight yeah. will have six. Okay. Well. All right. But but there's that. That's not a season. You know what I mean? A, a regular season is a twenty-two episode season. That's a season for a, a standard series. Now, I know oh, HBO I know. Has, has a different budget, but, but within a year, it's going away, right? Yes. Uh, we, we, okay, we can say that. Okay, fine. Let, 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 me, let me start again. Game of Thrones is on its way out, okay? And they are, they are, they're going to break it up like that. Okay, I know what they're going to, they're going to they're have a mid-season break, right? And they're going to come back and they're going to finish with six more. Yeah, okay. That's, I think that's how the, the cables have been doing it. Which really sucks. That means what? There are only, what, two more before the break? Eek. Anyhow, uh, they need a replacement. And you guys have probably heard that HBO is going to do this show called Confederate. And this is a alternate universe where America went through its civil war, but instead of the North prevailing, the South wins. And what America would be like if the South had won the Civil War. Now, as you can imagine, conservatives have been attacking this three ways from Sunday because of, you know, what it nakedly is attempting to do. It is going to uh, depict an America that where the South won, you know, everybody's going to be speaking with a Southern drawl and... Blacks will still be enslaved, but there will be parallels drawn into the script that mirror today, the fantasy of liberal racism today, liberals' fantasy of institutionalized racism today. The only institutionalized racism, folks, that's left is is affirmative action. You know the Salcedo Show axiom. If you want to stop racism, stop being racist. And without a doubt, affirmative action is racism. But 
this is what the conservatives have been railing against. This will, this will be, this will stir up race tensions and it will be very bad for the country. And, and they're right. They are very right about that. And I'll bet you, and, and, and one of my listeners from an earlier show said, you know what, Chris, I'll bet you the hero that's going to free all of the slaves in modern America, a woman, will be a white woman. I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far from where I started from. No. I can already write this left-wing tripe. Anyway, so that's not the perspective I'm attacking this from. And I was waiting and hoping this would rear its ugly head. But this project is now being attacked by left-wing crazies. Let me read a couple of stanza from, stanzas from, uh, who is this? Rebecca Sun of The Hollywood Reporter. Should white creators tell black stories? (laughs) HBO and Amazon's dueling Civil War alt-history dramas have brought an age-old debate about art back to the cultural forefront. Who is allowed to tell certain stories? Now, this is not an age-old debate. Rational people have not had this debate. This is a debate among left-wing crazies. Oh, you're a white man. You don't get to weigh in on black issues or Hispanic issues. (laughs) Oh, you're a white man. You don't get to talk about illegal immigration because everybody knows if it's illegal, it's got to be Latino. Right? Which is a racist comment, but that's how these left-wingers think. That only certain people can write about certain things it's there it's another mechanism of control and the most discriminated against person in the united states is the white american male this in the the folks who are in charge the writers are are my generation generation x these are the people coming into power and coming into high paid positions and i can tell you we were brought up thinking this way we were we were the leading edge of the generation y generation uh millennial generation indoctrination that said if it's white it's evil it's evil i being your liberty loving latino was insulated from this indoctrination crap shook my head when i was coming up in school at it i shake my head at it now To the point to where only certain people can write about certain things. Screw you. It's America. Anybody can write about anything. Again, the Salcedo show axiom is this. If you want to stop racism, stop being racist. So now the loony left is attacking this HBO project. What are a bunch of white guys doing writing about civil rights and black issues do they have the right well, of course they do but again this is the loony left and then your liberty loving latino asks the flip side question what would possess white guys from my generation 
to undertake such a project. Why would they do such a thing? And open themselves not only up to criticism from the right, which they don't care about, but even criticism from the left. Why would they do this? And it's a two-word answer, folks. White guilt. Inst- uh, put into the, instilled in them by progressives in the government-run education system. These guys are probably sitting there fielding this criticism going, what do we have to do to prove that we're not racist? We're, we want to make a drama highlighting your... <laughs> Your, your plight and how racist America still really is. We want to make it so we can atone, so we can do our penance for being white. It's the same crap we saw on the University of Missouri campus where liberal progressive white people were told to leave certain rooms where blacks were gathered. Because their mere skin color was offensive. They, and they, and you know what they did? Instead of giving the middle finger saying, hey, it's a free country, I can go wherever the heck I want. They complied. Because they were told they must do penance. They must make up for the wrongs done hundreds of years ago on blacks. It's their turn now. It's their, it's their turn to be exploited and denigrated. And um, my axiom still holds. If you want to stop racism, racism, stop being racist. And that goes for blacks and Hispanics too. Stop being racists. That's the reason why whites will get out there. <laughs> I, I, I want to make this drama so, so we can say we feel your pain and we can, we can assuage our white guilt. 888 It's the Salcedo Show. Be right back. By the way, don't miss it. Uh, Colonel Tony Schaefer, we're, we haven't ignored North Korea totally today on the show. Uh, he will be on to discuss what is actually happening over there and what their capabilities truly are. Coming up on the Salcedo Show here on The Blaze. He is a liberty-loving Latino conservative. Need we say more? The Chris Salcedo Show. Only on The Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. All right, I've been trying to get to this, the climate stuff, for the entire week. I had this on Monday, and just just now getting to it because of all the all of what's been happening. Um, the the first thing I wanted to bring up to you was the Energy Department, according to Politico. Uh, the office there has banned the phrase climate change be used in official government documents. And the press is going nuts. What do you mean? We're not going to use the word climate change. Well, this is, some, this is a process that's been going on for quite some time. And I, I remember, I remember 
when this policy was instituted, I think it was, was it, uh, April. It was, you know, it was viewed as a, a know nothing arch conservative, you know, flat earther move. Did they say the same when Barack Obama banned the phrase jihadist from government? Did they say the same when Barack Obama banned the use of the word radical Islam from government? Did they say the same when Barack Obama banned the phrase war on terror from government? Of course not. Because the press are left-wingers. They are biased left-wing hacks who do not have the capacity, most of them, to check their biases at the door. Hence, the caterwauling when the word climate change is dropped and eerie silence when the copious phrases were banned by the leftist-in-chief. Resident Obama. I mentioned this off the top of the program that the New York Times rolled out with a story. And it was a great deal of fanfare. When was it? Monday? Great deal of fanfare that they did this. And the story was we got uh, we got some leakers in Donald Trump's administration. They're leaking this climate change report that basically says that man is causing the climate to change by burning of fossil fuels. It's a, it's a damning report. And we're so afraid that the Trump administration, you know, being a bunch of ignorant rubes and in their desire to destroy the planet, that they will suppress this report. So we're going to leak it to make sure that it gets on the front page of the Times so the people are informed couple of problems with all of this. The New York Times leaked a story, or wrote a story about leaked information that was publicly available. <laughs> it was available on government websites since January. Anybody who wanted to see the damn study could see it. Now, was the New York Times duped by these leakers? Or was the New York Times undertaking a purposeful misinformation campaign to its readers? I'll let you be the judge. But I I know Lisa Friedman of the New York Times. You probably need better education, madam. But when you are given information that is publicly known, it's not a leak. Okay. Or if you're given information that is published on a government website for everybody to see, it's not super secret and it's not a leak. This was the New York Times effort to create a narrative that Trump is anti-science and create a narrative that there are a bunch of leftists and a bunch of anti-American kooks who are really afraid inside of the government that their good work, which is And I'm going to get to their good work here in a minute. Their good work is being silenced by the oppressive Trump administration. But nothing could be further from the truth. (laughs) 
which is why the New York Times prints it. You know, they should change their name from the old gray lady or the the paper of record to, uh, I, I don't know, uh, the old gray hag. <laughs> the, the New York Times. Stuff you can't believe. No, really, you can't believe it. <laughs> um, about the good work that the Obama holdovers are doing inside of the government. Climate change whistleblower alleges Noah manipulated data to hide global warming pause. The climate change debate went nuclear Sunday over a whistleblower's explosive allegation that the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association manipulated data to advance a political agenda. This was February 5th, 2017. The Daily UK Mail. The fiddling with temperature data is the biggest science scandal ever. The new data shows that the vanishing of polar ice is not the result of one runaway global warming. Christopher Booker writes, when future generations look back on the global warming scare of the past 30 years, nothing will shock them more than the extent to which the official temperature records on which the entire panic ultimately rested were systematically, quote unquote, adjusted to show the earth is having warmed much more than the actual data justified. Ladies and gentlemen, these people who are in government are people and they are left-wingers and they are progressives. You remember how Barack Obama lied about Obamacare and he felt comfortable lying because the ends justifies the means. Lumber McClurk, you like your plan, you keep your plan. Like your doctor, you keep your doctor. Lumber McClurk, save $2,500 a year for an average family of four. Lumber McClurk, ISIS, JV team, let me be clear, JV team, no big deal. The left-winger, the liberal, lies to you because they think it's for your own good. And you're too stupid to understand anyway. So just lie to them. Trust us, they say. So it's what leads to government agencies populated with left-wingers who gravitate naturally toward government. That no accountability and most of them can't get jobs in the private sector, you know, they gravitate there. I'm not saying this is a blanket, broad brush statement. I'm saying a lot of the Obama holdovers couldn't make it in private industry because private industry requires results. And we already covered on the top of the program that progressives don't don't roll that way. Australia Weather Bureau caught tampering with climate numbers. Australian scientists at the Bureau of Meteorology, that's their NOAA, caught getting rid of their low temperatures. Gee, government has an agenda, folks, and it's not your agenda. Up next, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. We're talking about North Korea. Chris Salcedo Show, here on The Blaze. Stick with me. You're listening to The Chris Salcedo Show. Part of Generation Blaze. On The Blaze Radio Network.
Chris Salcedo is on the Blaze Radio Network. North Korea best not make any more threats to the United States. They will be met with fire and fury like the world has never seen. That was uh, President Trump reacting to the revelations that he has known, we are told, since December, that the Obama administration, we are told, has known since 2013 that the miniaturization process has been successfully accomplished by the North Koreans, able to put a nuclear payload on top of an ICBM. So uh, when we get done talking with Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer, we will break down the, the press's overreaction and their contention that Donald Trump is the first president to ever talk tough to a foreign adversary. Uh, the aforementioned Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer is with us now, CIA-trained former senior intelligence officer and the New York Times bestselling author. His latest book is The Last Line. He's a senior fellow with both the London Center for Poly- Policy Research and the Center for Advanced Defense Studies. Colonel, welcome back. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me. Good to be on. North Korea nukes, miniaturization, yeah. if, if it's accurate... Uh, the only thing that uh, that I have seen that is left to do is to perfect the nose cone reentry process to make sure that warhead is protected, and that could be months away. Is that accurate, as far as you're told? Yeah, it is, and, but it's it's not that complicated. I mean, you have to remember, Chris, these people have uh, been doing ceramic work for you know centuries. So it, basically, all we're talking about is a ceramic shield that can sufficiently uh, uh, protect the nuclear device through reentry. It's not that difficult. The, the difficult issue is the telemetry and guidance. That's where they haven't perfected it yet. That takes some doing. Uh, as a matter of fact, another Bill Clinton failure when uh, uh, they accidentally gave this technology to China, this reentry level uh, uh, telemetry technology back uh, when he was when pre- Bill Clinton was president in the 90s. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not as uh, it's more about uh, the programming and, and technology that has to do with guidance than the actual reentry vehicle. But the, the bottom line is that they, they have perfected the miniaturization. They have the weapons that can launch that can carry these things. And, yeah, it's just a matter of time before they put it all together into an effective Reese's cup of uh, destruction. So, yeah, let me. Let me back up what the colonel was just saying, folks. Uh, there's a there's a name you probably all don't know, uh, Randy Duke Cunningham. He was a he was a Republican congressman who got into trouble with uh, uh, skimming off the top and had to do some jail time. But before he went away to jail, I had the opportunity to interview him uh, back during the Clinton era, and he basically said this to me during the interview, Chris. But before. Uh, before the Clinton administration, China had nuclear capability, but they couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with their nuclear missiles. He says after Bill Clinton allowed these secrets to get into Chinese hands, they could put a, a missile into a window in Chicago. That's that's pretty much what the, the colonel was talking about here. So yeah, precisely. Right. Yeah. On. on this right. on this guidance system roadblock. I mean. All the North Koreans have to do is send it in the general direction, whether they hit San Francisco or whether they hit Los Angeles, whether they hit. I mean, it's still going to do a lot of damage, right? That's the point. I mean, look, there's three vectors that they can hit us uh, besides simply just doing a, the uh, the basic missile technology. One, as you point out, is kind of shooting in the general direction, something called EMP, electromagnetic pulse. Uh, your audience can Google this. There's something called Starfish Prime uh, back in 1962 was an inadvertent use of an EMP weapon against Hawaii by us. 
So if you guys, if you can read that and look at it uh, and understand that uh, they took out power grids in Hawaii from thousands of miles away in, in 1962, you can only imagine what could be done today with a concerted effort to do something like that. And yes, they could hurt the United States continentally very badly with a high altitude blast. Secondly, asymmetric use of a nuclear weapon, uh, put it on a barge, put it on a container, a freight container, put it on a ship. There's any number of things you can do. And so you could give it to a third party. So these are the other concerns about the fact that they developed these small aperture weapons. And we're talking about something about Hiroshima size. And I think it's ironic and appropriate that President uh, Trump made his statement yesterday on the 72nd anniversary of the use of uh, of a little boy, the uh, the uh, gun type nuclear weapon against Nagasaki. So. Uh, Chris, I think, uh, you know, we have to recognize that uh, that uh, there's a number of things they can do. And President Trump has said correctly that any further development or taunting will probably result in some military action against North Korea. Yeah. And and if they if they persist and we we all know that the regime doesn't doesn't want to cease existing. That is their major their major uh, objective. And Kim Jong-un may be crazy, but I don't think he's stupid. I, I, I think he right. realizes any launch toward the United States would result in the, destru- his, the instruction of his, destruction of his entire country, yes? That's right. And I think that's why President Trump said it the way he did, in the terms he did, that uh, any continued effort or threatening effort or use of any weapon, a nuclear weapon, would result in Pyongyang becoming a big bowl of glass. And I think... Uh, uh, un, uh, amongst his shortcomings may be that he is crazy, but as you point out, he's not insane. He's not out uh, to die. And I think clearly he understands, and I think President Trump's made this very clear both publicly and I think some private things have been said behind the scenes to the, the Chinese to let Un know that, yeah, this is going to be personal. And should should something come out of North Korea, uh, something that actually hits Guam or goes in that direction or goes to Japan or, or South Korea, you will see a severe reaction that uh, will be one that uh, the world has not seen since World War II. Yeah. CIA trained former senior intelligence officer Tony Schaefer, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer is our guest right now. Uh, If hostilities do break out, uh, the question I have had is the degree of confidence that we have in being able to target the the conventional batteries on the North Korean side and take them out simultaneously. Uh, I don't know how much you know about this, but what is your confidence that we would be able to get the vast majority of those emplacements before they're able to launch an attack on Seoul? Well, that's something I've worked uh, a lot uh, over the past 25 years. And the answer is we, we think we have a pretty good handle on it, but you never, you're never 100% sure. Uh, the, the issue becomes, you know, you're never going to hit every conventional battery. And I think uh, people, most people recognize that Seoul is a hostage city. Uh, Seoul, South Korea can be hit from North Korea via direct artillery fire. So, uh, and I don't know if you've been to Seoul, but Seoul is bordered, the south border is the Han River, and there's about uh, 10 bridges, and those bridges would be overwhelmed instantly by refugees and people fleeing the city. So it's a bad situation. So I think the best thing we can do to, to continue to uh, uh, both create the conditions for success regarding the fact that we will use force if necessary, but yet we will be open to uh, North Koreans backing down, is trying to focus on Pyongyang. Uh, again, we, we, we need to make this pers- personal. Uh, th- that nation, North Korea, is all about the survival of one man, Un, Kim Jong-un. And so uh, as long as you focus on that and make sure that he understands that any bad act will result in something bad happening to him personally, I think is our best bet. 
Yeah, uh, watching Andrea Mitchell and other members of the left-wing press, the biased press yesterday, <laughs> I, I was taken aback by, first off, their ignorance, because the yeah. rhetoric that is coming out of the administration, North Korea, yes, it is, it is good that they receive the message, but they're not the primary target of this message. The primary target yeah. of the message is China. And right. and if if the administration starts making moves to move nuclear weapons into Japan, nuclear deterrence into South Korea, not to mention the THAAD system, that China will be prompted to do what they should be doing already, which is say with under no uncertain uh, under no uncertain terms that that Pyongyang has to change its behavior. And they are the that's key. Right. China is to solving this whole thing without firing a shot. Right. Yes, and I think that's the thing that uh, I know for a fact that this White House has been trying to remind the Chinese of their own self-interest. Uh, the moment a a real war starts, uh, the the Chinese would be uh, hit hard by refugees trying to cross into China. And by the way, they you know the Chinese have put like twenty five thousand more troops on their own border with uh, North Korea, so they recognize this. And also, Chris, economically, uh, the Chinese have huge vulnerabilities. And there's other p- people out there: India, uh, the Philippines, uh, Vietnam. All don't like what they're doing in the South China Sea. So the Chinese have to understand: the moment something happens in North Korea, you may well see other nations acting out, trying to cause damage to the Chinese interests. And so the Chinese yeah. have to understand: they're very vulnerable, and we and it won't and it won't necessarily be us doing the one doing the acts against them. So it's true. It's true. You know, communist economies are very weak, and they get a, right. a refugee crisis. They would be overwhelmed immediately. Retired Precisely. Lieutenant Colonel Tony. Uh, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Shaver, folks, CIA trained, former senior intelligence officer and New York Times bestselling author, London Center for Policy Research and the Center for Advanced Defense Studies. It's always a pleasure talking with you, Colonel. Come back again. 888-900-3393. That's the number you want to weigh in. Be right back on the Salcedo Show. You're on the blaze. Keep up with the Chris Salcedo Show on Facebook and on Twitter at Chris Salcedo TX. Just another way to stay in touch with Chris on the Blaze Radio Network. The Chris Salcedo Show. President Trump speaking to the press here moments ago. Let's step in. Our military budget. Russia doesn't like that. Hillary was going to cut the budget substantially, the military budget. Russia is very important for Russia. Oil. Oil and gas. Uh, We are now an exporter because of an incredible six months that I had. An exporter of oil and gas. That's bad for Russia. I always said, I don't think Russia wants me because I want a strong military and I want low energy prices. Energy is a disaster. Low energy prices is a disaster for Russia. Additionally, it seems that Russia spent a lot of money on that false report. And that was Russian money. And I think it was Democrat money, too. You could say that was collusion. Plus, the Democrats colluded on the Ukraine. So they colluded. And then when you get down to it, why isn't the FBI looking at the DNC server, you have a server that they refuse, the Democrats refuse to give to the FBI. Now, I don't know how the FBI can investigate something if the DNC, the Democrats, refuse to give the server. So we have an investigation of something that never took place. And all I say is work with them because this is an event that never took place. Now, as far as somebody else where did they file the right papers or did they forget to file a paper? 
you know, I, I guarantee if you went around and looked at everybody that made a speech or whatever these people did, that's up to them. Uh, did they do something wrong because they didn't file the right document or whatever? Perhaps you'll have to look at them, but I guarantee you this, probably a lot of people in Washington did the same thing. Mr. President, given your harsh criticism of Democrats just now, how are you going to bring them in on things like infrastructure or... Well, we'll have to see. I'm not sure that we will bring them in. I mean, maybe we'll bring them in, maybe not. I think the infrastructure bill will be bipartisan. In fact, frankly, I may have more support from the Democrats. I want a very strong infrastructure bill. We've, as of this moment, spent over $6 trillion in the Middle East. As far as I'm concerned, when I say spent, we've wasted Six trillion dollars in the Middle East, and yet we can't fix our roads and our bridges and our schools and our airports. And I think that's a very sad situation. So I'm very strong on infrastructure, and a lot of Republicans are, but I know a lot of Democrats are also. I think that'll work out. I think it's going to work out very well. Mr. President, have you thought or thought about or considered uh, leading the dismissal of the special counsel? Is there anything that Bob Miller could do that you would send you in that direction? I haven't given it any thought. I mean, I've been reading about it from you people. You say, oh, I'm going to dismiss them. No, I'm not dismissing anybody. I mean, I want them to get on with the task. But I also want the Senate and the House to come out with their findings. Now, judging from the people leaving the meetings, leaks, but they leave the meetings all the time and they say, no, we haven't found any collusion. There's no, there is no collusion. You know why? Because I don't speak to Russians. Look, I won because I suppose I was a much better candidate than her. I won because I went to Wisconsin. I went to Michigan. I won Pennsylvania. I fought a smart battle. That's why I win. I didn't win because of Russia. Russia had nothing to do with me winning. The thing that we had a great team, and I guess I did a good job. And you know what? Honestly, they spent much more money than I did by a lot. You know that. They spent a lot more money, and honestly, they did not do a very good job of campaigning. And one more question about Senator, Senate Leader McConnell. We talked about, you talked about him outside a little bit earlier, but have you reached out to him since your phone call yesterday? No. And have you given any no. consideration to asking his wife, your transportation secretary, uh, to help bridge whatever... Elaine is doing a very good job. We're very proud of Elaine as uh, Secretary of Transportation. Uh, as you know, as you said, Mitch's wife. She's doing a very, very good job. I'm very disappointed in Mitch. But if he gets these bills passed, I'll be very happy with him. I'll be the first to admit it. But honestly, repeal and replace of Obamacare should have taken place. And it should have been on my desk virtually the first week that I was there or the first day that well, I was there. Don't blame McConnell. That was all McCain's fault. So repeal and replace should have taken place. Uh, the tax bill, tax cuts, tax reform. Hopefully they get that done. I hope they get it done. And the other thing would be the infrastructure bill. In addition to that, you know, we've passed a lot of things. We passed accountability with the VA. We passed a lot. We're doing a lot of great work at the VA. Uh, and we're doing a lot of great work all over. You look at what's happening with the coal industry, where they're putting on. I mean, I looked at West Virginia the other day. I was in West Virginia making a speech. And they are doing great as a state. The great governor of West Virginia, Jim, who you saw, uh, he just became a Republican. He left. It's the first time in many, many years that a thing like that's happened. He just left the Democratic Party and he became a Republican, which was a great moment. Hasn't happened in many years. So uh, we're very, very happy with what's happened. We think it's been an incredible six months. We've done, uh, you know, a lot of record setting business. It's incredible. You look at what's going on with the economy and 
You know, to me, very important, you look at the enthusiasm of businesses. You look at companies moving back in. You just saw on Friday the two big car companies that are coming in. You saw last week Foxconn. They make the Apple iPhones. They make all of the desktops. I think he has a lot to crow about on uh, economics, and he's doing it all on his own by getting rid of these onerous, numerous regulations that Barack Obama piled onto this country that cost, some estimates, upward of $743 billion dollars. For us here in this country, so I um, and the economy. Uh, so there's a that's a, just moments ago. Where's he at? New Jersey. Uh, he's on vacation. Is the president of the United States, and so we thought we'd bring some of that to you to end up the show. And that's going to do it for the uh, program today. Remember, a society's worth isn't measured by how much power is seized by government, or rather, how much power is reserved for we the people. Grand day, everybody. Got Friday going on tomorrow. See you here on the show. The Chris Salcedo Show, part of Generation Blaze, only on the Blaze Radio Network.